Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I have Reverend Carol Saunders on the show. After a 20-year career as an engineer for an energy company, Reverend Carol Saunders followed the call of spirit and became a double-ordained unity and interfaith minister. She founded and led a church in Deerfield, Illinois for 10 years and more recently transformed her ministry to the Spiritual Forum podcast, Prayer and Retreat Ministry. Carol now hosts the weekly Spiritual Forum podcast, where she brings hope and inspiration to the world through engaging conversations on a wide range of spiritual topics. She also leads an annual Hope Planet Spirituality Retreat at Unity Village, focused on co-creating a world that works for all beings on the planet. And I think we're going to talk about that today. (laughs) Carol's message is centered on awakening to our divine nature. This process includes identifying and releasing layers of cultural conditioning, healing from individual and collective trauma, and reclaiming our innocence. She is a champion for all animals and believes it's essential to include them in our circle of compassion and the golden rule. Welcome to the program, Carol. Thank you, Marla. It's so fun to be here. Yes, I love your bio. Um, I always think of the golden rule, Dr. Eben Alexander, talking about how it's not something that we made up, but it's interwoven into the fabric of the universe. I talk about that a lot on my on my podcast. And so let's just jump right in. Um, we're going to talk about innocence today and two, two areas that we're going to touch upon, I think, um, or I know are animals and also, of course, children, my passions, um, both of those. So tell us a little bit about in your journey. um, I know we all love or most people, I can't even say most people, I would hope to think love animals. I have my my little labradoodle sitting here right now. And, And this is a great time for this topic, because we just had 4th of July. And all I could think about is, I mean, my puppy, I sat in the closet and covered her ears with a bowl of popcorn. But anyway, um, and thinking about all that, all those, the wildlife and, but anyway, this is our conversation. So I want you to chat. So tell us a little bit how you got, um, you began speaking about animals and in a spiritual sense and how we need to, to really awaken more to who they are as spiritual beings. Yeah, well, I completely agree with what you initially talked about with the golden rule being in the fabric of our universe. I think it is the one law. It is the singular law that if we live by that law, we would not have any of the crime, war, abuse, we'd have nothing. We'd be living in peace and harmony. It's just so interesting though, how we manage to 
if we live it at all, <laughs> which, which most <laughs> of us struggle, yes. most of us struggle, you know, people have, you know, we're always talking about other people, even when we're gossip, we're not living the golden rule. When we're thinking bad thoughts about others, we're not living the golden rule. When we're trying to cheat or get ahead, we're not living the golden rule. But we typically draw the line for the golden rule between the human and non-human animal species boundary. And I believe that is 100% cultural conditioning. I think that is something that we've learned. I don't think there's anything natural about anything that we do against the animal kingdom, any of it. Of course, we love our animals. We love our pets. I, well, we call them animals. Some people call them animal companions. I've got two dogs. I've got three cats. I also was somewhat traumatized by the 4th of July, although I was lucky my dogs aren't bothered by it. But I do con concern myself with the deer and all of the animals that are around me, geese, all of that. But the thing that's very invisible to us is like how we eat and what we use for entertainment and what we wear. It's so ingrained in our society that using animals in that way is okay, but having our pets, our mice, our cats, our dogs, our gerbils, whatever they are, guinea pigs, our fish, that that's kind of a separate thing. And I, I kind of grew up questioning all this even when I was young. I was one of those kind of tender hearts that cared about all the animals. Um, I didn't like people killing bugs. Or I didn't like any, any harm to animals that was happening. And yet I was completely invisible to the roast that my mom cooked. I was completely invisible to the chicken casserole or whatever it is, completely didn't even think about that. But by the time I was 15 years old, I said to my parents, no more, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna eat meat anymore. And so I was on that journey for a while, but I really kind of disconnected with the plight of the animals in that, in that world. And I even went into, you know, I had my engineering career and I went to my spiritual career. And it wasn't until I found a book called um, Dominion by Matthew Scully that he completely woke, up, woke me up to, wow, our world our culture, we are systematically harming animals. And why would we do this? You know, he's a Catholic and he wrote kind of from a Catholic perspective. And so I think, you know, why do we do this? And so I kind of woke up and started getting on the, I wouldn't call it a soapbox, but I started thinking about, this is really a part of spirituality. You know, waking up to cultural conditioning, seeing how I'm out of alignment, you know, there, how am I out of alignment with the golden rule? And there are many, many ways that I, that I am, as are others, but I can really only do something about myself. So then I really just started realizing that I had to become more of a voice as well. So I try my best to do that. It was kind of hard to do from the pulpit when I was leading a church because it's such a controversial topic. It's so threatening to people mm -hmm. because it's so ingrained in habit and um, tradition and just what makes them feel good and they think that you're making them wrong. So I'm still trying to perfect how to talk to people about this. Yes, it is really a difficult topic. Well, a lot of the spiritual topics because people are so triggered by it. And what's interesting is what's interwoven into it. It's even politics. It's, it's oh, yeah. religion. It's, you know, 
all of those different things. And so what is your what is your message to the world about how we and let's talk about baby steps here, you know, but how we can, um, for example, well, not for example, but on another note, um, I work in Ethiopia, and they don't even their, their dogs and their cats, they do not, they do not have domestic animals, you know, they're only to, to help guard them or whatever it may be. And it just really touches my heart, um, pulls at my heartstrings, you know, because I'm like you, I'm like, that part of me is Buddhist. I have a little bit of like, everything in my, um, so that I can't even kill a bug, I grab it and I like throw it. Out. <laughs> Good for you. Oh, I, do. I just can't help it. Yeah. But so what is your your message to people so they don't feel threatened, but they can take baby steps? And not only that, of course, being a role model for their children, because they're they're our future, right? So it's so important for them to to um, maybe have a different conditioning than what than what most of us did. Yeah, I I think I think the first thing is to, you know, not make anyone wrong no one's wrong. We all inherited this. Every single one of us mm-hmm. is, I don't like to use the word victim because it's not my favorite place to be for spirituality, but <laughs> I, I think it kind of works. We're kind of a victim of conditioning. We all came in as children. And you know, when you come as a child, you're, you're so close to God. You're, you're all love. I mean, sure, you cry because you're, you're uncomfortable or whatever, but there, there's not a child there's not a two-year-old or three-year-old that would would naturally go and just kill a goat right. or a rabbit. It, it's so unnatural. It's so unnatural. So we, we teach all of our children that we do this and this is okay. And I think this is kind of where innocence comes in. We lose our innocence through this whole process of cultural conditioning. Every single one of us learn this. So no one's wrong. No one's doing doing bad on purpose. It's what we've learned. I do think that when we are taught to do something that is contrary to our soul, and I do think killing the innocent is contrary to our soul, there is a little trauma that happens there. There's, there's trauma. And I think we are all at some level very traumatized by how our, our collective treats the animals because it, it it's not aligned with the golden rule. It's not aligned with the love that we came in as. So we're kind of stepping outside of our soul in a way. And so there's there's um, a wound point there. So I think mm-hmm. all of us are wounded. And I think it's important to focus on that, that we're all wounded by this idea, this idea that we need to, to exploit and harm and and take the lives of animals for our own being. We don't. Now, maybe in some places you do. I, I don't know. I'm not there to judge whether in Alaska or Antarctica, wherever that you know you have as much available as we certainly have in America. We have so much a variety of food available to us in America. So we can make so many other choices, but we continue to make this other choice. And it really is just because we've been conditioned. So if, if people can start seeing, you know, I, wanna, I don't want to be a robot. I don't want to be just 
what I was taught. I want to be able to have my own authority over my own decisions. There, there can be a little bit of a light, a little bit of opening in the psyche where then you can kind of talk about these kinds of things. I tend to stay away from people who are not open at all. I shouldn't say stay away from, I don't bring this topic up with people <laughs> who are not open at all. But I also just kind of plant seeds, you know? I mean, I was at the grocery store two days ago and I was really proud of myself for this because it's really hard to have a voice in this area. But I saw a guy who was putting his groceries in his the back of his car and he had the shirt on and it said freedom for all. And I and I was going to the grocery store. He was, you know, obviously loading up his car. And I just said, you know, I'm I'm for freedom for all too. He goes, Yeah. I said, Yeah, I think everyone should be free. And then I pointed to his multiple gallons of milk and I said, you know, these cows aren't free. And he said, no, they're not. And I said, well, you know, I don't think we'll ever, ever, humans will ever be free as long as we're keeping anyone in, ca in captivity. So just think about that. And then I just said, have a good day. And I left. Now, did I change his mind? I'm 99.999% sure I'm not. I'm not here to change minds. I'm just here to plant seeds. Mm -hmm. So what I hear you saying is that you promote a vegan diet because you're going back to our food, our food a lot. Is that is that correct? Well, I mean, I think I call it, call it a vegan lifestyle because mm -hmm. veganism, people call it a diet. I don't think it is a diet. It right. is the complete, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to support the entertainment when they use animals. I'm not going to support um, any exploitation of animals in any way, whether it's for product testing or food or clothes or entertainment. And you know what? I mean, ah, I've been blind to this. So most of my life, I took my kids to SeaWorld. I took them to the zoo, went to circuses. I did all those things when I was a kid. I love the circus. I just didn't think about, you know, do the, do the elephants really love it? You know, mm -hmm. do, where would they rather be? And just as if I were put up on a stage taken from my family and put up on a stage somewhere in some strange country, even if I look like I'm having a good time, is that where my soul wants to be? No, I want to be back with my family. We all want to be with our family. So really I'm about, keeping families intact. <laughs> really, I'm about loving all beings and freedom for everyone. Mm -hmm. Now, that can translate into what someone would call a vegan lifestyle, but I actually kind of prefer a spirituality that includes all beings and respect for all beings mm -hmm. and, and recognizing that, I mean, I believe that God made each one of them and I think that's what it says in Genesis, if you're into the Bible at all, whether you, you look at it literally or not, but God created all of the creatures right. and they all have a purpose unto themselves, not just for us. And so when people quote the Bible, it says here, it says here, it says here, there's not a lot of it. <laughs> it what it really says is God created this planet and to me, whatever God is to you, some people think God is a being, some people think God is an energy. I, it, I don't want to even get into splitting those hairs. But some greater power created everything that is and said it was good. And the animals were given a vegetarian diet. And the humans, it said it was right there. You can have for your food all the seed-bearing plants. And so we're, our natural diet also, at least biblically, 
is seed-bearing plants, so fruits and, and nuts and, and grains and whatnot. So, mm. um, so anyway, you know, that, that's what our bodies are meant for. I know that there'll be a lot of people say, you know, we have, these, we have the, the teeth of carnivores. No, we don't. We don't have the digestive tract for, of carnivores. We've really fallen very, very, very far away from who we are naturally. And um, so you asked about baby steps. All right. Baby steps is important because it's most people can't make that big change. So for baby steps, I'd say pick one thing, pick one day, you know, pick one thing. Maybe it's, I'm going to do meatless Monday. You know, maybe that's a baby step. Maybe it's like, you know what? I'm not going to go to the zoo anymore, or I'm going to learn. Let's put, I'm going to learn more about the lives of those animals. That, that would probably be even better. I'm going to learn more about the lives of animals in cat captivity. Be curious look, look out and see how animals are used in the world and maybe say, I'm going to, I'm not interested in doing that anymore in some way. So, you know, you start with Monday and maybe you could go to Tuesday or you could start with one meal or you can start with, you know, one product or something. But if you're committed, if you're committed to the golden rule, if you're committed to the golden rule, then it, it, it doesn't stop. <laughs> at my family. It doesn't stop at my neighborhood. It doesn't stop at my state. It doesn't stop at my nation. It doesn't stop with my species. It's, it's, it's broad. So mm -hmm. I would say so, just pick something. Yeah. Right. So this to segue a little bit, but it's all intertwined. Um, you, we talk a lot on this podcast, especially with the philosophers and the um, researchers about suffering and that we choose a life before we come into this world. And many believe that most of our life is destiny and the free will is the part where we make a decision on how to react to that, you know, to those situations. And the reasons we have suffering to learn, to learn lessons. And th this is a very co hard concept for humans. So I, I don't think we're supposed to understand it, but those in the spiritual world were trying very, very hard. So where does this come into play in terms of animals? Do you think the whole set? Well, first of all, why do you think you're, you're a, a minister why do you think we have so much suffering on this on this in this world yeah that's a really good question so i used to think that we're just we weren't really meant to suffer that really we're meant to just be joyful and that we've kind of messed up because we've separated from the divine we've separated from god we've separated from our true nature and so that we've created what like christians would call sin uh, others might call missing the marks, so just living unaligned with God, and that that causes suffering. Um, I, I'm I'm holding on to that idea, but I'm also kind of wondering. Also, do we come in intentionally to experience this suffering for the growth of the soul? I don't think we know either. So we just got to kind of pick what we want to believe. I do know the one thing I absolutely am certain of is that suffering is something we can use for growth. 
so that when it happens to us, when we are in the place of suffering, we have the power to transmute that. We have the power to bring that into love and to, to grow and to choose love out of it and to expand our hearts because our hearts were hurt so deeply, but now we also have the capacity to expand it as much as we've been hurt. So that I do know, I don't know the why as much as I know the what we can do with it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that happen over and over and over again, where people either on my podcast or in my community, people I know who've suffered horrifically. I talked to a guy yesterday on my podcast, unbelievable how much he's, how much work he's done with forgiveness. And and it's like so interesting how he's been able to transform, transmute that suffering. So I do think we can use it for our good. Now, I think that we can get very, very lazy with this idea that suffering is an intended state for us so that we grow, so that when I see somebody over there suffering, I just leave them alone because, you know, it's their karma, they chose it, and I don't want to interfere. I, I've, I've heard people say things like that. No, I think that suffering being there, whether it's a, a squirrel or a rabbit or a bug or a human or a tree, whatever it is, I think it's in front of us so that we can transmute some of our own suffering and to choose love. So I think the choice is always, it's, it's our free will to choose love. Mm-hmm. and to make suffering into something much bigger and better because I think we're here on this planet to transmute all the energy into love. So um, so I do think that's why also the animals need to be included. Right, right. Yes, I, I hear what you're saying about suffering and one has to ask. You said in, in the beginning you felt like we were here for joy and we'd just gotten away from the divine, but you know, what about that child that ends up in, in a, on the streets in Ethiopia that has, is still in that innocence. And, and I personally don't believe in randomness. If, if, if things are really random, what's the point, right? Suzanne, when I hear you talk about Unity Church, I always think of Suzanne Giesman. I'm sure you know, Suzanne, she's been on my show because she's in uh, anyway, but um yeah, like so. What is how how is that explained? It's it's all very interesting. So, what have you? What do you have to say about that? About other like the child who ends up, you know, on the oh, yeah. streets in Ethiopia. Yeah, I mean, I I ask my podcast guests guess that all the time, especially the ones with the the near death experiences. Um, I do know that we can't explain this. Cannot explain this. I think what we can do is create models that help us feel comfortable with what could possibly be an explanation. I, I think people who've had near-death experiences will say, well, it, it's all planned and the, the kid who's in Ethiopia planned to be there and it's part of their karma and it's part of their development. And I, I don't know if that's true. I just don't. I like to believe that that's true because it kind of feels good. You know, It feels like everything's in order and that it also placates me so I can be okay living my life, you know? <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty sneaky. I had a person on my podcast who was just, just kind of blew me away, Annika Lucas. And she really changed my life dramatically. I, I read her book. She changed my life before I read her book, but then I read her book and I was really glad to get her on my podcast. She was 
involved in child sex slavery in Belgium in the 1970s. And this was sex slavery at the highest level. So this would be the highest level of political the echelon, you know, the, the people that we all would admire who are politicians and movie stars and those kinds of people. She doesn't name names. But her book catalogs one year of her life. And it's, it's something that you would never want anyone ever to have to experience even one minute of. So how did she experience this and come out on the other side as a person who is whole? And all I know is when I see people who do that level of the spiritual work, um, I think it's like, wow, they make it possible for all of us, you know? It's like, if she can forgive, if she can, if she can heal, I should say, if she could heal, everyone can heal. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I'm really answering the question about why there's that kid in Ethiopia, but I do know that whatever that kid in Ethiopia experiences, um, I, I do believe sometimes it's there for us to be love and to do what we can to change that. So whatever that is for people, whether you're volunteering or whether you're um, uh, giving money or whatever, what, what can we do to, to bring love to, to that situation? Mm -hmm. And I also think there's opportunity for those people to heal through their trauma. Mm -hmm. And show you us know, I was just I was pulling up. I don't know if you saw me looking around, but I um I I study Edgar Edgar Casey, um, which yeah. I talk about a lot on my show. And today, um, the thought for the day was know that the purpose for which each soul enters a material experience is that it may be as a light for others, which is so beautiful, Absolutely. which is exactly what I think what you are saying and, and, and back to near death experiencers, I've had so many and, and researchers and the life review, you know, that's, that's what we're talking about too, in terms of, you mentioned people say that don't help one that they see as suffering or an animal, you know, and what we learn from the life review is, is basically, you know, the golden rule, but you actually see how your actions you don't you don't just see but you dive deeply into their emotional realm and that's the judgment you know when you go that changed my life when i <clears throat> as i've studied that so much so okay well what has been um your podcast that has just blown your mind away. You just mentioned Annika Lucas, yeah. but anything, I saw that you did one on the Akashic Records and on Jesus. And are there any others talking about sort of like what we're talking about today um, that, that you'd like to share with us? Yeah. I mean, my podcast is a, a wide range. It's a broad yeah, range. So so I, <laughs> sometimes I have like somebody who's a very traditional Christian and I'll have somebody who's left their religion, left Judaism. And, you know, I have people who are love Jesus and others who say Jesus didn't exist. And so <laughs> I listen to all of it. And there, there's usually something worth, worth 
listening to in, in every single one. And I'm like, wow, I'm so excited that I had this conversation. And what, what a job I have. I get to have these really interesting conversations. So I would say Annika Lucas is probably one of my biggest, most profound ones. Um, I thought that my podcast with Renee King Sonnen was really interesting because it kind of ties into this. She's a, a woman who was a, she married a, a rancher and she lived in Texas. And, you know, she's, he's a cattle rancher, you know, mm -hmm. so that's his business, you know, but then she started kind of venturing out and she started kind of connecting with the cows and she started kind of naming them and she started seeing the divine in them. She saw them as individuals. She saw that she could communicate with them. And she, she was like, we, we can't, we can't, send these to market. Now she began singing to them. You know, she began really recognizing this is like a huge way of kind of evolving beyond. It's hard to see other people as divine, you know, so we see other people's divine, see animals as divine. She started seeing these beings as divine beings of God, uh, divine creations of God. And so she told her husband, she's like, we're not sending them to market. He goes, what do you mean? <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're cattlemen, you know? So she says, Oh my gosh, she got really close to having a divorce, but she says, we are not, you send those cattle to market and I'm going to go, I'm going to go take your money and I'm gonna go buy them and bring them back here. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, interesting story because she was so surrounded and ingrained in this cattle culture and she chose to go vegan. And so did he and they tran over time and they transformed their ranch into a farm sanctuary. So now all those cattle are living out their lives and they're, helping people to make this transition, helping chicken farmers make the transition to growing mushrooms, for example, because nobody really likes the business that much. I, mean, I shouldn't right, say right. nobody, but a lot of people don't. And so I like, I love stories about transformation. I love stories about, I was one way, but then, you know, I kind of saw the light kind of like Paul on the road where he turned from, you know, Saul to Paul. And and, and, and say, you know what, I can be a completely different person because we're so wired for that. And so I love those kinds of stories. Um, I just talked to a guy recently, Dr. David Weil. He was so interesting. He was a transplant doctor who actually, for 10 years, he was head of the transplant division of Stanford Medicine Hospital. Um, hospital according to uh, uh, associate with Stanford University and he uh, the world the, the role he was in he was like you know it's very easy when you're deciding what organs that go to what people and who's going to live and that kind of thing that you start thinking that you're God you know and so to see somebody kind of go from you know I I'm kind of God to no wait I'm not God God's working through me and and mm. so I love those kinds of transformations as well so yeah. Those are great yeah. stories. Yeah. That's funny. I I was in the 4-H fair and we had pigs. And I remember I got so close to my pigs. And when I found out that the Heinhold pig market bought them and I realized what it was and it just just broke my heart. Oh my gosh. I just I feel I can still feel that so deeply. I was right. just beside this myself. Is, this is so important of the 4-H kids. It's uh, it's so important because they're right there. That is a loss of innocence right mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm. And I don't blame your parents or your school or whoever got you in that. It's just what we do. But there, 
it's it's heartbreaking to the child who really got to know that animal mm -hmm. and it's kind of a betrayal i think it's a betrayal of the heart and i'm not saying anyone's trying to do this or no one tried to hurt you but you're hurt and everybody who's in that situation would be hurt it's it's because you're alive it's because you're human it's because you have a heart and this is what i mean by the kind of the reclaiming of the innocence you lost something on that day Everybody who's even the first time we we serve our kids like hot dogs, for example, they love little piggies, they love little lambs, you know, they, they don't, they would not, you know, slit the throat of a lamb, they never would do that. And so, you know, the reclaiming of our innocence is to remember that who we were as children, we love that way, you know, right, right. and to go into, I, I do do this with, with my, with people who come to me for coaching go into our psyche and find our inner child, find her at these age points where she was alone or suffering or sad, him or her, and just say, hi, you know, I'm your grown-up self. And I want you to know that everything turns out okay, and I'm here to hold your pain. And, you know, you're right, love is the answer. Mm -hmm. It's a very integrating experience. Yeah. And if people do want to find you, um, how would they go about doing that? Yes. Yeah, so you can, my website is thespiritualforum.org. You can email me at revcarolsaunders at gmail.com. I'm open <laughs> for anything. <laughs> I, you can, I have three prayer calls every um, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. On Tuesday, we pray for the animals and the awakening of humanity. On Wednesday, we pray for children who are victims of trafficking or abuse. And on Friday, we play, pray for our nation. So anyone's in, invited to, to do that at 7.30 in the morning, Central Time. Great. Well, Carol, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show and for your passion. And um, yeah, we'll be sure, be sure all that information gets in the show notes and out about your, about your retreat this, this coming October. It's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. Yeah, and I'll be happy to come on uh, again and talk about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Okay, <laughs> it, big topic. Okay, well, thank you so much. And you have a topic. great rest of the day. <laughs> thank you, Marla. I appreciate okay. it. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at Interviews with Innocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.